fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy championships, fantasy glory, fantasies beyond all your other fantasies, titles, trophies, everything in between. I'm your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the wolf of Roto Street himself, coming off kind of a weird week in fantasy, as we are almost finished with week eight right now, uh, and some pretty harrowing news coming out of the NFL uh, late yesterday, early today that I'm sure is going to be leading off our show. Wolf, how you doing? How'd you do this week? Uh, awful week two and three across my five main leagues. Not good in that sense at all. And as you said, just it's never, I only have Henry in one league, but it really does suck when you see like a, a, the guy, the so-called tank that can never go down. And, and here we are. So I guess we might as well just jump right into it. Don't we truth? And just yeah, get this, like, like a band aid. Let's rip this fucking thing off. Huh? It's awesome. Yeah, let's do it. Derrick Henry officially is out six to ten weeks. Um, I know that's a pretty wide range, but man, as far as fantasy goes, that's it. I mean, you know, you're you're probably not seeing him again. Um, and also, let's face it, the Titans are probably going to cruise in their division. There's not a ton of incentive for them to bring him back for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, maybe there's an outside chance they could bring him back for the real playoffs. They have signed Adrian Peterson to their team, interested in his fantasy outlook yeah it's a foot injury they say it's maybe a jones fracture is that what it's called something of that nature it, jones fracture. glazer saying it's the fifth metatarsal but yeah as you're saying six to ten weeks all but ending his his regular fantasy season i guess keep him in the ir and the off chance you have him for your playoffs should you make it without him but this is brutal this sucks and you can't imagine even if you do get him in the late stretch run push like there's no way they're going to give him 30 plus carries ahead of the real nfl playoffs should you get him it's pretty much a season ender. The question becomes, what do we do with Adrian Peterson? Fresh legs, fresh 35-year-old right. legs, <laughs> but fresh legs coming in. And I feel like it's just one of those things that AP was going to walk in and he's going to run for like multiple hundred-yard games from here on out. It just is what happens. I don't know why. It makes no sense. Last time he was on the field, it was pretty sluggish, 604 yards, 3.9 yards per carry for the Lions last year. But the year before that, on a bad Washington football team, this guy was ripping chunk play after chunk play, looking fully rejuvenated. I mean, nobody keeps their body in better shape at this age than Adrian Peterson. I wouldn't be shocked at all, given that the, the Titans lead the NFL in attempts per game, 260, fourth in rushing yards per game, 1,183, 4.8. You got 147 rushing yards a game, 13 touchdowns a second. We talk about a ground pie. It's enormous. Now, granted, that was – 90% of it went to Derrick Henry, literally 90%. It was insane. I think Jerry McNichols is their next closest with like 50 rushing yards or something absurd. It's not even close. But that also tells you they want someone else to come in here and take the load. McNichols has been primarily a third down back all year. I don't see him coming in and stepping up as the guy. I think Adrian Peterson truly is going to have a path to 12 to maybe even 20 weekly carries on one of the most run-centric attacks in the NFL. Is that nuts? What do you think? I don't think it's nuts. Although, you know, after two weeks of watching it, we might look back on it and say, wow, that was nuts. What were we thinking? This is Adrian yeah. Peterson. He's like a million years old. But I mean, are you going out to pick this guy up on waivers? 
Yeah, I, I, I think he's the priority this week. I, I have, I'll have i do my waiver show tomorrow, and I'm kind of rank through and sift through everything just to make sure. But right now, as I did a quick glance over what I think my, my waiver wire rankings will be, he's number one, and he's at this point of the year, we're midway through. There's not going to be too many backs right. that step into 15-plus carry roles, especially when it's run-heavy as this, a pretty solid offensive line. I think it's worth a decent amount of your fab, at least 40% or so, one of those empty-the-wallet type of plays in my opinion it's gross it's adrian peterson but yeah right, but we're going into week nine like you exactly. said i mean it's not like there's a lot on waivers right you know what are you waiting for at this point and you know any sort of waiver pickup or at least most of them they're they're crapshoots anyway and this seems like probably the best crapshoot of the week by far actually a hundred percent and the only thing that would ding that we'll know ahead of time tomorrow because the trade deadline wraps up tomorrow. They could make a move. I, you know, prayers up that they will go after Melvin Gordon, free about, Javante about Williams, like Dearness uh, Johnson. Dearness, I mean, exactly, right? Like someone of that nature that frees up another back and gets a solid mouth in there. Because, I mean, yeah, Adrian Peterson, the volume will be there. And I, I don't see think the touchdowns and a handful of yards will be, but it's not sexy. You put Melvin Gordon there and he's right back in the running back one status while Javante Williams becomes one as well. So I, I'm really intrigued to see what happens there. Of course, in the passing game, too, this does. Yes, they're going to try to keep their ground identity, no doubt. But you can't. I mean, Henry was your identity. This is obviously going to impact Tannehill, more pass attempts. And in that notion, obviously, A.J. Brown, we're seeing him. We're going to talk about him in a little bit as the wide receiver one season returning. Monstrous 30-plus fantasy point day this last week. I think a lot more of those are going to be on the docket. We'll see him potentially become the actual engine where it's been Henry's for so long. Maybe we see 10 plus targets a week coming AJ Brown's way. Yeah. It's not, it's not crazy. Like I said, we might look back on in a couple of weeks and say that was really dumb of us, but it's not crazy. Not hey, before crazy we go all. on to the next uh, big injury, give us a like everybody. Help uh, us grow guys. That does get the pack, get more views in here, shares, retweets, all that good stuff. Continue to get that on in here. We have one more big injury and then we'll hit all your risers, follows. And of course, if you have some Monday night football questions, get them on in. We'll hit them all before kickoff as we always do. So let us know what we can do to help you out. So this one actually made me really sad too. I'm not it exactly does. like, not exactly like a fan of this guy or anything, but uh, it, it was one of those injuries when you see it, you're just like, cringe right like you're just like i didn't want to watch that you know uh, his leg just bent in completely the wrong way yeah. um it was one of those where you almost like expected to see like his bones sticking out of his leg or something but luckily it wasn't <laughs> that unluckily though it was a uh, he tore his acl i mean the, the guy's done for a long time and uh Taysom hill coming back i believe he was on the ir maybe he was dealing with a concussion or something i don't remember what it was but uh he's gonna be back is he gonna be the guy is trevor simeon gonna be the guy he looked Okay, I guess. <laughs> Wasn't it kind of crazy how good Trevor Simeon looked like, after how much we've dumped on him in the past for ruining us and DeAndre everybody Hopkins. else? Come on, yeah. no, that was that was that Trevor Simeon. It was Trevor Simeon back in the day, right? If was, I'm not mistaken, well, it was that Brock was Osweiler. Simeon. It was Brock oh, Osweiler. Osweiler might have been the worst of it. Simeon was part of that train at some point, though. Right? Was he really? Are you sure? Because I thought he was the one who showed up in Denver when Osweiler left. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, that could actually be it. You're right. Okay, I'll give you that one. It, it, Osweiler is the name I'm thinking of, the shit pie, all that good stuff. But, yeah, let, let's talk about Jameis. I mean, first, I actually do like Jameis. I know you're like, yeah, you don't have that big re- I think he's just fun to watch. It's gross. It's weird the way his body's flailing all over the place. But I love the energy the guy's been playing with, and it's such a good comeback story. He seemed like he was out there to make some plays, too. It, it's too bad that that game got cut short. I would have loved to see 
Jameis revenge game. I'm glad they won. You saw how crazy he was going in the locker room. Like, yeah, that was cool. I, I did like that. You know, the team loves him. It just sucks to see someone like this on a, a rebound type of narrative. Get, get it cut short, especially against his old former team. So prayers up for him. Speedy, speedy recovery. He did have some MCL damage apparently too. So that does make this uh, something that could linger longer in the, the rehab. But Taysom Hill, yes, uh, expected back from the concussion as early as this week, getting a perfect juicy matchup against Atlanta. He faced Atlanta twice last year, went for 28 and 27 in the two games against him. In fact, Taysom Hill was the QB6 for the four weeks that he started behind only Rodgers, Watson, Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Tannehill over that span, averaging 21.6 points uh, per game. He averaged 0.94 points per dropback. That's the most of all time from the last t- uh, 10 years in fantasy points per dropback. Granted, a lot of that's boosted because he doesn't drop back all that much and he runs all over the place. But still, it just goes to show you what type of upside this guy has uh, throughout his games. So that could be intriguing. The thing you got to note about that too, though, it's not just going to impact the you know, him and his own value. One, again, I want to emphasize, if you need a QB, you got to go sprint out and go get this guy because 21 points per game is no joke. Top six last year, more points than anyone in 2019. Like that, That's a lot of value there. But it will impact Alvin Kamara potentially. We saw him get tanked yeah. by Taysom Hill last year. In his four games with Hill, he had 14.2 points per game, 2.5 receptions per game, and only four total targets. We saw him have 27.43 points per game in the other nine contests with Drew Brees. And granted, those numbers have taken a little bit of a hit with Jameis, but certainly not nearly the hit they're going to take with Taysom Hill. So that could hurt. We'll talk about Mark Ingram's role as well in a little bit and how involved he was this last week. So not great news for Alvin Kamara seeing this Jameis Winston injury should Taysom Hill be the guy. And you got to expect that that's going to be the case moving forward. Yeah, and the Saints are 5-2. and two. I mean, crazy. Tough Nuts, defense, right? hard physical team. Like there, there's someone nobody should want to play in the NFC uh, heading into the playoffs by any means. Uh, that, that's a tough team right there. Yeah, um, your boy, your boy doesn't do well against him. No, he, actually, Tommy B. He'll beat him when the, the matters most, though. That's for sure. In terms of Monday Night Football, just to make sure you guys are aware, it sounds like both Tony and Shepard are going to be active tonight in a great matchup against the Chiefs. I, I said this all week: fire them up, get them in the lineups. Let's wait it out for them because they're worth it. You could have Slayton as a stash. Should you wait? But these guys are going to be playing. Great news for Danny Dimes as well. If that was your streamer, uh, you're waiting for Dak last night and he's not playing. This is great news for his value. Uh, he could have a big field day. In showdown games, I'm going to be stacking Danny with Tony, with Shepard, uh, to run back with a couple of those big Chiefs options. Really like that play as well. I did recommend a lot of people go to these Giants guys over the Cowboys guys last night, given that the Cooper Rush thing happened. We'll talk about why that would have been a mistake. I can't believe that still. We'll, we'll get there in a little bit, but I think these guys have to be in your lineups if you've been waiting it out for them, for sure. All right. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to go back and forth on these. Uh, let's talk about Carson Wentz, who has become kind of a favored streaming option lately. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe possibly uh, sniffing low-end starter. I don't know. Uh, he just kind of scores fantasy points no matter what. I don't really get it. I'm not overly impressed with what I'm seeing out there, although he's doing wow. some stuff. That's pretty good. Uh, but anyway, I mean, he scored at least 17 fantasy points in all but one game, and he's thrown multiple touchdown passes, I think, in like the last five or six games, and he's like the only guy to have uh, done that over that period of time. So whatever. He's also facing the Jets next week, so you could do a lot worse. Yeah, 20 points, too, in three of his last four games. Uh, impressive stuff. But as you're saying, real life-wise, I mean, some of those interceptions just – horrendous costing a team the game but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter fantasy wise 
uh, if he's getting the job done, and he certainly is. So if you need a streamer and you miss out on Taysom Hill, he's out there, Carson Wentz, in a lot of leagues right now. Justin Fields also out there in almost every league, given how horrendous he's been. Guess he just had to get rid of Matt Nagy, though. First time he's actually used the right way. Throws for only 175 and one touchdown, but that's not what matters. It's that he had 10 carries for over 100 yards and a TD on the ground, and that is what we wanted to see. And it looked – you could just see how much more the defense was threatened. Receivers were running more wide open. Again, 19 of 27, by far the highest pass completion rate of the year for Justin Fields, and it's no doubt a lot of that came because he was on the move. He was doing the things that make him comfortable. Matt Nagy, we are not – I mean, I hope you're okay. Except that I hope your your symptoms linger a little bit. You got to stay away from the building because, man, this offense took off, especially Justin Fields, over 25 fantasy points. And like we said, it wasn't even that huge of a day Like when you read those stats, but they add up so fast with Konami upside. And that's why we called him such a cheat code early in the summer. Man, if you could just have this type of usage every week, I really think you could go down the stretch run as a huge player for you. And I made the comparison to you before we went on the air. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I like that. Game's yeah. not exactly, but, uh, you know, I mean, a guy that you look at him and he doesn't exactly pop off the page or anything like that. Uh, you kind of his arms may be a little bit suspect for the NFL. And at the end of the game, he's got 26 fantasy points. And, right. And you you were saying, too, before we got live, like the way when he ran that touchdown and it was yeah. like he was better than everybody on the field. Right. Faster than everybody. You know, you know how like middle school and high school football, there's like you'll see like video and there's like one really big kid that's just like. Yeah, Wait, but that's kind of how that play looked to me. Nobody was coming near him. It was kind of crazy. Right. <laughs> Do another quarterback. <laughs> oh, let's go. Uh, let's hit another uh, household name, Mike White. And I like wow. that we have LOL literally next to it on the show notes. Uh, Mike White, 37 to 45 for 405 yards, three touchdowns, two picks in the Jets. Unlikely 34 to 31 win against the Bengals. Uh, I'll bet a lot of people lost a lot of money on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a crazy swing. I couldn't believe this. Uh, unbelievable performance. I actually think he set a record for the most straight completions in his first start of any quarterback of all time. Of Mike all time. Going in the history books. I believe it was 12 straight completions to start the game. Uh, 14 if you count as two picks in a row to come off right after 12 straight completions. The ball didn't touch the field for 14 straight passes. He's the best quarterback that's probably played for the Jets in, what, 20 years? Seriously, though. Maybe more? I don't know. I'm just guessing. Like, this whole offense looked significantly better. We'll talk about Mike. We're going to get to running backs right away, so we might as well just lead it off with Michael Carter and the impact this had. But everybody, even without Corey Davis, this offense was looking like a really just very viable option for Elijah Moore having his best game of the year. Crowder going eight for 80. Just everything was functioning better with Mike White. I wonder what the team does. Certainly you can play a little bit slower getting Zach Wilson back from the injury who might even practice this week. I don't see any reason to rush this guy out with Mike White. And if you're in a two QB league, I mean, this is a potential desperation streamer, but the the Colts defense is nothing special in the secondary among the bottom five in PFF's coverage grades. So certainly a potential option. But what you're really hoping for with Mike White is Michael Carter. My good Lord, the volume this guy saw. Maybe the single biggest riser if the, the quarterback switch happens. 15 carries, 77 yards, and a score. But what we really love to see is 14 targets. 14 targets. Nine catches, 95 yards through the air. That is 29 running back opportunities, folks. 70% of the snaps, 58% of the routes. 15 of the 20 carries went to him. 14 targets. I just want to keep saying that again. Nearly 30% target share. This has now been back-to-back weeks. 44% of Mike White's passes last week. 40% of this week went to the running back. We kind of emphasized that on the pregame show. It was something that 
you know, you wanted to keep note of, but I was not ready to go all in in a Mike White led offense. Now, you know, there should be no hesitation playing Carter as long as this guy's the QB. And really, I think rest of year, like you can't go back to Ty Johnson, right? At this point, unbelievable no. performance from him. It's funny. I was, I was streaming a defense this week. I had to get rid of uh, my defense and I, obviously I wanted to pick up the Bengals. I mean, Bengals mm-hmm. jets. I was like, Oh yeah, that's money. And uh, I bet a buck and somebody else bid too. And so I didn't get it. And so I grudgingly picked up the Steelers who completely shut down the Browns. Meanwhile, had yeah. I picked up the Bengals, I would have gotten like negative six points or something like that. Funny they how these things being work. okay for fantasy they had oh, so because many of the, because of, because they had so turnovers. They had like a seven point day, but certainly not like the, I, yeah. I bid two bucks. So they didn't, they didn't get the job done in that sense by any means. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, let's talk about the other guy that's kind of uh, broken out and established himself in the backfield. Eli Mitchell guy that I bid 40 some dollars on in week, one waivers. Uh, he's been great. Uh, he had 18 carries, 137 yards, and a touchdown. And the stat here is 7.2 yards after contact per attempt. That mm-hmm. almost sounds impossible, but right. that, that's like amazing. That's his average. I mean, he's seen 81% of the 49ers running back carries in his the uh, full games he's had, which he's had four of them. I mean, he's the rest of the Niners running backs are ins- insignificant, right? hundred percent. It's one of our favorite running schemes. That zone blocking scheme is unbelievable. And he's really hit his stride in it. Now it, it sucks that he's seeing no receiving work. Cause I'm sure he could get it done if he did, but averaging 5.5 yards per clip, 17 plus carries in four or five games, that type of running back workload within this type of scheme has him right on that running back one fringe. He's one of the biggest risers yet again, to see it back to back now four weeks, really whenever he's healthy, I know a lot of people, oh, Jeff Wilson, when he comes back, gonna no, Eli Mitchell, as long as he's healthy, he has clearly taken over this backfield. Shanahan loves the guy, and I see no reason he's going to go away from him anytime soon. And he did run as many routes as Jamichael Hasty this last week, so I know there's not a ton of receiving work, but he's out there for as many receiving downs. That's, that's an important development there yeah. uh, for sure. Now we'll move on to the Eagles' mess. Oh, my God. Anybody that blew their load on Gainwell – And I'm going to kind of pat myself on the back a little bit here. I cautioned everybody. I'm not going to blow my load on waiver wire Tuesday when we talked about him on the the sit start show, a lot of questions. And I said, I'm pretty skeptical. The fact that they had Boston Scott see more carries as soon as it went down. Now there's rumblings. Jordan Howard's going to be activated. And what did we see? 29 snaps for Boston Scott, 20 for Gainwell and 16 for Jordan Howard. Very, very evenly divided from three ways. We saw 12 carries for Scott. 13 for Gainwell and 12 for Jordan Howard, just about as even of a distribution as you could ask for. What was crazy was seeing 37 running back attempts after the Eagles were averaging like 12 a game total. So to see all these backs go over was crazy, but Gainwell himself by far the worst, 21 yards, awful performance, no catches at all. Uh, Boston Scott actually ran, saw the only target from running backs. He had the best game too, 60 yards, two scores, uh, from in close as well, getting some goal line volume. We also saw Jordan Howard get two scores from in close. So clearly it's just a nightmare of a situation. The only guy I'd really want to use ever, I think part of this was facing Detroit. They scored so many points from their backfield. I think going forward, Boston Scott's really the only one I trust until Miles Sanders can back. What a disgusting game, though, from the Eagles backs. I'm not really – man, by the way, the Lions are so terrible. So bad. Um, oh. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, 
Um, let's move on to another uh, backfield that's just mired and disgusting. bogged down in a mess. Uh, Washington running backs. We got Antonio Gibson, who I would imagine is just a thorn in a lot of people's side right now. And the question is, is J.D. McKissick the guy to target? His stat line, three carries, 10 yards. Well, that that blows. But eight catches for 83 yards, which more than makes up for the lack of uh, rushing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, Gibson's been on the injury report all all the time, basically. Why not take roll the dice with this guy, right? Exactly. It seems to me like McKissick's the one moving forward. 32 snaps compared to 23 for Gibson. But what makes this even more concerning is 16 snaps went to Patterson, who ultimately saw the most opportunities of the running backs. 12 potential opportunities compared to 11 for both Gibson and McKissick combined. This now becomes a three-headed nightmare. The only one I really can trust moving forward is the clear-cut receiving back, and that's McKissick, given how bad this defense is, over 30 points allowed per game. I mean, they're going to need to throw more often than they don't. McKissick's really the only one I trust. To me, Gibson is – I don't know, man. I don't know if I can trust him in my lineup. I guess by week hell you might have to at some points, but he's definitely you know, punched his ticket towards bust of the year, at least one of the nominees. Just an awful, awful season all around. And Patterson getting involved, maybe a waiver wire pickup himself, uh, does not help this at all. We also have James Robinson. Unlike uh, Derrick Henry, James Robinson did have a foot injury, but it was not a serious one. Uh, potentially day-to-day, they're saying right now, Adam Schefter labeled him. Uh, questionable to face the Bills. Should he be out? Carlos Hyde could be an intriguing streamer. Now, the Bills is a tough matchup, but we did see Hyde get pretty much all the work. Nine carries, 32 yards. What was more intriguing was the six catches for 40 yards, that receiving volume. So he did see 15 total touches. I think there was only 18 total touches to the running backs once James Robinson went down. So nearly all of it went to Carlos Hyde, a viable streamer should Robinson be out, but it sounds like it's not going to be anything serious. Brown's running backs. Now that Nick Chubb is back, Dearness Johnson, who had his moment in the sun last week, this week he had four rushes for 22, yeah. but he did score. Um, and he also had one catch for seven yards. Nick Chubb, meanwhile, 16 rushes for 61. Uh, and he also had one catch for eight yards. So neither of those guys doing much receiving work out of the backfield. But uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, you think Dearness uh, is going to carry any value? I I don't know. This was ugly to only see four carries go his way, one target, you know, one catch, and he he just dropped a couple balls too, which was ugly. I guess this was on here more so to highlight Chubb didn't really see his role elevated at all without Hunt, which sucks. You know, one target, thirty five percent route rate, like. This guy can catch the ball and he can run routes very well. I was hoping to see kind of that three down. Well, he was, that's what he was. That was what he was advertised at, right? Yeah. Like that's why we liked him as much as we did. It's like there's only a handful of three down bell cow guys. We thought he was one of them. Yeah, we, we've been. And wrong. he didn't get the role this week. Now maybe it was coming off injury. They're kind of giving him a lighter load and letting him work his way in. It was a tough Steelers team. All of those things can be true, but it was just a discouraging performance for sure for anybody hoping for a huge Chubb breakout game. The last two backfields, these were both impacted by the uh, the same player here. Mark Ingram, returning to New Orleans, had a pretty solid day. Six carries, 27 yards, also having two catches for 25, looking spry, getting down there, running after contact. He played 22 snaps compared to 51 for Kamara. That was pretty impactful. Nine routes run compared to 21 for Kamara. Did see two targets to four for Alvin Kamara, 19 targets, I mean, 19 carries going to Kamara versus six for Ingram. So it wasn't by any means that near even split that we used to see a few years ago with these guys, but still uh, the most meaningful workload that's been siphoned away from Kamara this season, a season low in his snaps, you know, still saw 20 plus touches. He's still going to be an every week must start, 
But he does take a little bit of hit on the rest of the season big board with Taysom Hill now at like the starter. And Mark Ingram carved himself out a pretty good role. Remember, Latavius Murray had his best games as a Saint when we had Taysom Hill at QB, uh, other than, of course, the games when, when Alvin Kamara missed time. But I do think Mark Ingram, uh, you got the handcuff with benefits upside and out there in a ton of leagues. You know, we talked about Adrian Peterson being one of the top pickups between, you know, Ingram and Boston Scott. There's a lot of sneaky running back value that you don't typically find this late in the season on the waiver wire. He's certainly one of them. Well, you want to talk about value. I want to talk about whatever the opposite of value is. And that's the Houston backfield. Um Let's get rid of Mark Ingram. Uh, let's let's bring in David Johnson. I think, you know, they talk maybe he'd be their featured guy. And yeah, my featured, featured guy rushed two times for four yards. Uh, and then we're like, oh, featured. well, then Philip Lindsay must have really been getting a lot of burn. Well, he had three rushes for eight <laughs> yards. Um, and then, uh, you know, part of the notes down here, it says, continue to avoid the Texans running backs. Well, no shit. Like, if you're going out and scooping up a Texans running back, like, you have to be in, like, a 20-team league. Uh, where you're required to start like three running backs or something yeah. like that. That's all I have to say about the Texans. Also, I just want to say the Rams could have beat them 70 to nothing if they'd wanted to. And and they, you know what? They took the, they somehow did not cover the spread. How crazy is that? It was a 16 and a half point spread. I know that <laughs> some, somebody lost their shirt over that. And so oh, and I think, think about how mad you'd be there. It was like 38 to nothing. And you know, it was in the third quarter and then they're just like, all right, well, we're going to pull all our good players out. And then like Houston scored, then they got an onside kick. And you're Awful. just like, and if you're sitting there as a better, you're just like, I want to absolutely jump off a bridge right now. That, those are the ones that like you just cry over for sure. But yeah, yeah. Rex Burkhead. See, but they could have won by like 70 points. They really Oh, 100%. Yeah, they could have. And they, yeah, they, they rested their stars as they smartly should. Sure. Why would but you play them? <laughs> it just was one of those things, this backfield. You thought again, the future David Johnson, uh, you know, good, good pickup, right? Let's see what this guy does. Again, three touches compared to eight for Burkhead who led the way and something named Scotty Phillips had eight touches. I don't know yeah. who Scotty Phillips Big is. Big game Scotty Phillips. You remember Big him. game Scotty Phillips, baby. But yeah, 30 snaps for Burkhead, 15 for Scotty Phillips, 11 for David Johnson and eight for Philip Lindsay. I wonder if they're going to be shipping out David Johnson and Lindsay and just kind of the whole wholesale on this backfield. I don't know who wants them anyway. Who in the world would want to acquire either of those guys? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But it was just atrocious. It's too bad because there was the chance that maybe one of these guys emerges, and it just became even messier. It went from a, a three-headed nightmare to a four-headed one somehow. Just so hideous. Also, stuff before we move on to wide receivers, we're going to speed things up. We want to make sure we hit everything on the mailbag. Give us a like, please, if you haven't already. It helps us get out to more and more people. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get right into wide receivers, so we can answer the whole mailbag. Calvin Ridley. I was actually speculating about this exact thing. I was. I said yeah. to myself, I wonder if like this is like a depression issue or something like that. He announced he's going to be stepping away from football for a while to focus on his mental health. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, as a Ridley owner, obviously that stinks. I know this stuff's serious. One of the things that's uh, most disturbing about it fantasy-wise is, you know, there's no real timetable on a return here. No. No, it could be the whole year. Uh, and honestly, if it's a whole year, then uh, – Sure. It's it's tricky. It's one of those things you, you respect the guy. Like, you, you, you just – like, mental health is such an un – especially in football, like, you never see these type of moves. So I wonder if this will happen more often because it is such a physical game and, like, the – the head damage that happens here, you know, it's, I, you know, I mean, it could, it could be about anything, you know, it could, it could be completely unfootball related, you know? Um, exactly. Right. Exactly. We, we don't know when it's, it's not the first time happened. he's missed a game for 
what we now probably assume is all the same stuff, you know? Exactly. So it is too bad. Prayers up for him. Yeah. Hopefully. Good you luck know, to him. Hope he's good, okay. Good recovery for him. Uh, the outlook, maybe Gage takes over, but he had zero points in his absence this week. Pitts kind of the, the number one attention rolled to Pitts and he didn't handle it very well. We'll talk about him. He had a nasty drop. He had a bad drop in, in a very key situation. Yeah. It's, it was just an ugly situation. Um, the, the, the Falcons, it, it's clear, you know, even though Ridley hasn't been putting up a ton of crazy stats, he plays a huge role in terms of drawing the attention, and it just is going to shift everything. Cordell Patterson still caught his touchdown. He probably is the biggest riser moving forward. But, yeah, this it just sucks for the whole offense, and prayers up for Ridley. Hopefully it's a speedy recovery uh, with what he's going through for sure. Uh, on the other end, though, reemerging right in that range of the draft was A.J. Brown going near him. You wish you had him at this point. 10 catches on 11 targets, 155 and a score. Just getting it done, just like last week in every single facet, going deep for that 57-yard touchdown where he caught it and then, bam, just outbrand the entire defense. You love when AJ – it's just so fun to watch this guy. He is a linebacker with the ball in his hands, uh, ripping gain after gain. And as we said, now with Derrick Henry, likely done for the year, at least your fantasy season, what if he becomes the complete engine of this offense? He really could. He really should be able to shoulder this thing. I, I'm intrigued to see what happens. But either way, even just this would be nice to see moving forward, back-to-back double-digit target days. I think that's going to be the norm moving forward rest of the season. Let's talk 49ers receivers. And, of course, we're talking about Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel, still the man, complete alpha the dog. King. Six out of nine targets, 171 yards. Niners week eight win over the Bears. This is all too predictable now for him. And it's got to say, it's pretty awesome to Beautiful. watch. Um, as far as I up goes, I mean, there's been some chatter about, you know, this guy's trending up, uh, you know, he's a good ad. I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree he's trending up, but he literally had nowhere to go, but up. He was like yeah. one of the most insignificant wide receivers in the NFL. I think he had nine catches going into this game. Now he did have season highs and targets. He got seven targets and receiving yards. Wait for it. 45. Uh, you'll excuse me if I'm not going to like throw a parade for this. Like I got to see more than this and I got to see it more than once. I'm not, I'm not touching the guy. Yeah. You're not starting him yet, but I do think certainly in terms of a bench stash, you could do worse than Brandon Ayuk right now. who's out there in well over half of ESPN. Well, sure. You could have David Johnson for instance. Yeah, exactly. Right. But 88% of snaps, when you look at like the under, you still, the, the big numbers Weren't all that impressive. The fancy stats aren't going to blow you away, but 88% snap rate, that was season high. 97% route rat, route rate, season high. And 25% target share, big season high there as well. Again, the final product wasn't enormous, but that is nice to see. And don't forget last year when Debo Samuel went down. And Debo Samuel, knock on wood, I'm not saying I won an injury to this guy, but he has a pretty littered injury history. When he went down last year, Brandon Ayuk from week uh, seven to week 15, when he was the guy, and this was without Kittle, without Debo, that's the situation that would happen should anything happen to Debo right now. He was the wide receiver three, Brandon Ayuk, behind only Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill as a rookie. So, I mean, there is some upside with this guy. And if he's starting to get more involved, maybe he just has that upside plus a little bit of usability for bye week pinches if this role continues to grow. We'll see. I'm with you. It didn't blow me away, but it's good to see these things trending the right way at least for someone who was going in round five, even higher in fantasy drafts. I do think the Cowboys, I did want to make a note that these guys can still live even without Dak. Eight catches on 13 targets for 122 and a TD for Amari Cooper. I mean, that was the most volume he's seen since week one. Cooper Rush just locked in on this guy. I know CJ 
the pregame show was kind of like, he's going to find this guy and lock in. Maybe it's Cooper. I think you're going a little low on these guys. Wish I had kind of listened to him because I benched him everywhere for Manny Sanders, who we'll bring up in a second. Oh, my God. Fucking douche. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, though, also having a solid day. Six catches, eight targets, 112. Not quite as big as Cooper. But either way, Cooper Rush, should Dak miss time again in the, in the season? This is just nice to know there's this kind of buoy to the offense that it's not going to completely crumble on itself like we saw all last year between Dalton and uh, who was it, Danucci was the other fucker. Like, it was just awful. So, yeah, it's good to see that these guys can still have some value even if Dak's going to be sidelined at any point this year. All right, let's start with the Browns receivers. Odell Beckham was truly terrible. He had, oh. he was targeted once, and he did catch it, so 100% nice. uh, catch rate. Six yards. I mean, uh, you know, we've been down on this guy for a while, so it's not super new, but I still am a little bit blown away when I see a stat line like that. Jarvis Landry was the main guy. He had 10 targets, caught five of them for 65. In the Browns' offense, that's the top dog, but the Browns' offense is not leaving much as far as wide receiver desirability, I guess you'd say. No, not a ton of aerial pie, as we like to call it. A very small one here. But just of note, Landry has seen 26.4% target share in his three healthy games. He's had five balls uh, caught in all of them. In PPR leagues, there is some room for value there when you have five catches. It's like a weekly touchdown at that point. So not bad. I guess this is the show of like wide receiver revivals with backup QBs because the Seahawks too. Tyler Lockett especially. I mean, I this I told I'll, people I'll not to play him. Right here. Told people not to play him. I was off the train. I, I wait till I see it again mode. Uh <laughs> sleeping in the car because I got that one wrong uh, for the room over there. Uh, 12 catches, 142 yards. I mean, the guy was unguardable. He, he was truly – and that's what's so hard about this because I love Lockett. Of course I've sure. loved Lockett forever. Geno Smith hasn't been able to deliver him the ball for three straight weeks. It's like, I, okay, I can't do this anymore. I have to wait and see. And then, of course, you put him on the bench and you get a game like that. DK not to be outdone, six catches, 43, and two touchdowns. Just Geno Smith looking all that much better. The good news, though, is that's probably the last we'll have to even see Geno Smith. So I'm glad he went out on top because Russell Wilson should be back. The early expectation was he'd be back after their bye, which is this week. So week 10, Russell Wilson back. These guys go cooking into that. Rest of season-wise, these guys got to go right back into the top of the big board. Michael Pittman. This guy's like maybe a legit wide receiver one. I think he might have had the most fantasy points for receiver this week. If he didn't, he was in the conversation, like top three. Uh, 10 out of 15 catches targets, 86 yards, two touchdowns. And he got them fast too. Like, I feel like he had those points like first quarter, something like that. Yeah. Both touchdowns at least. And then the, the catches continued to just chunk up and chunk up. And this was nice to see. I know T.Y. Hilton was in and out, but there was some speculation. Oh, last time out that Pittman just didn't get it done and Hilton out targeted him. And there was some people expecting Hilton to end up being the top dog here. This was clearly not the case. Pittman walked right in. I'm the alpha. He was in all my DFS lineups, and that worked out pretty well uh, for me. So great to see that. This guy get on a short week against the Jets, and, and we already know Hilton's not playing this next week. Just another lock him into your lineup, a top 15 guy potentially moving forward. We'll see where he lands on the rest of the season big board tonight. Also another guy bouncing back. First game in a while, Devontae Parker walks right into 11 targets, hauls in eight of them for 85. It was just nice to see Tua giving him a chance on contested balls. That's kind of where, where Tua has struggled is if it's, there's no separation, he's not throwing to you, and Parker's become obsolete. Well, this week he really gave Parker plenty of shots, and, and Parker rewarded him with a lot of tough catches, looking very solid in his first game back. Uh, approaching that kind of wide receiver three, you can feel pretty comfortable moving forward. If he can do this against Buffalo, who's given up the fewest points to wide receivers, 
he could do it against just about anybody. Robbie Anderson. He's a guy that in the past we've liked. Um, he got targeted once uh, in the Panthers win against Falcons. I actually randomly saw this play. <laughs> he got destroyed. Like yeah. somebody just wrecked him completely, did not catch the ball. Um, and that was it. He was not targeted again. And that's it, man. He did nothing. Exactly. It just cut him at this point. There's no yeah. reason to have him on rosters anymore. He's not getting it done with Sammy Darnold. I guess, I mean, you just wait till Tuesday in case Watson gets traded there because that could just spark everything should he should that happen. But otherwise, this is not turning around anytime soon. Get rid of him. Cole Beasley with no knocks. He's really started to get steady. This was one of his best efforts of the season. 13 targets. He caught 10 of them for 110 yards. Just the engine of this offense out of the slot. Uh, Knox is day to day, so there's a chance he's back. And you know, Beasley, he's had 22 targets in his last two games without him. We'll see if that would continue with Knox back. I doubt it. Uh, certainly, the, the end zone volume is going to go all back to Knox as he was a monster there. But we'll see if Knox is out again in Week Nine for Houston. You got to rank Cole Beasley in your top 25 PPR leagues. Very solid effort for him this week. Van Jefferson. Now this is on the heels yeah. of the Rams parting ways with Deshaun Jackson, who. You know, I only kind of realized was still in the league. Um, he had three catches, six targets, 88 yards. And I mean, you know, he's a deep threat. He's a legit deep threat. And he played 46 out of the 57 snaps through three quarters. Like we said, after three quarters, they pulled everybody out. He's a boom bust guy, definitely. Absolutely. But it does give his shot at booming a whole lot. Uh, the higher chances with Deshaun Jackson now removed from it. Every snap player, 46 of 57, like you said, that's great to see. We got to mention Jamal Swagnew, Jamal Agnew, man. I was stashing him before that Jags game in a lot of leagues, and he followed it up with 12 targets. That's impressive. A team high there. Only six of them getting hauled in for only 38 yards. Not great, but he did score. So that was impressive to see. But it was also just the way they're manufacturing touches for him. He's kind of taken over that hybrid role that we thought would be LaVisca Chenault. It's not. It's Jamal Agnew at this point. They're moving him in the backfield. They're putting him out slot, like all over the field. This guy that started as just a kick returner, they're kind of – I was reading a lot about him after the game, ESPN talking a lot about how they want to make him their kind of Corderell Patterson and turn this guy from special teams ace into just an all-around weapon. He might not be as deadly as Patterson, but that's the type of skill set we're dealing with and the type of volume we could see. We've seen it break out for Patterson at this point. Intriguing for sure. Very intriguing to see this type of usage. Meanwhile, Marvin Jones, only five catches, 35 yards. LaVisca Chanel, if he's on your roster anymore, why? Two catches for 13 yards. Oh, agree completely. No reason to have Visca on your roster. And honestly, Marvin Jones has been pretty boom or bust, like not a must roster by any point. Jamal Agnew, truly the number one receiver here. And I think a viable wide receiver for flex type of play as we hit these bye week out. All right, so let's boom back and forth real quick. Some terrible stat lines from some guys who we don't think of as terrible. Terry McLaurin. Targeted seven times, caught three of them. Three catches, 23 yards. Justin Jefferson, two catches on four targets. What? 21 yards? What the hell happened there? This guy's killing me. Mike Williams, five targets, two catches, 19 yards, possibly not fully healthy. I don't know. He is like the ultimate boom-bust guy right now. I think he's played six games, seven games, and four or five of them have been amazing, and two of them have been duds that – legit killed me <laughs> ruin your week yeah it sucks it absolutely sucks of these guys you know who are you most worried about if any of them oh uh, it's really hard for me to i think jefferson will, will ultimately be fine even though i really do think the vikings are trash um 
Williams, I would think, would do fine also, except, man, Herbert a couple times has just had these just awful-looking games. He looked legitimately really bad in that game. Um, I guess probably I like Williams the best moving forward, but it's close with him and Jefferson. Yeah, it's, it's tricky to see for sure. 14 targets last week for Jefferson, though, so I'm not overly worried. Yeah. I am worried that Williams is going to have a few more of these disappearing I, I think he will, too. I think McLaurin might be the best buy low here because we do get – Ryan Fitzmagic coming back. Oh, uh, I didn't think about that. Week or two. I think that's going to do wonders for Terry. He's been running open, and Heineke's just missed him on plenty of uh, playoffs here. So the one I'm most worried about is probably Mike Williams. As much as I hate to say it, I could see some of these boom busts continuing to be the trend there. But speaking of busting, oh God, Manny fucking Sanders did not haul in a single one of his four targets. He had one where he was just wide open streaking down the field. And Josh Allen just sailed it over his head, which was devastating because I just needed that one play, something to give me a little jolt in the pants. But nope, couldn't even complete that while we watched Cole Beasley go 10 for 110. Even Zach Moss had six catches. Lovely to see. Nothing, literally nothing. A goose egg, a donut for Emmanuel Sanders. Just an absolute backbreaker. And it sucks. 13 or more points in four straight games, 20 in two of the last four. And he goes and gives you zero in a good matchup. What Last else but, to say? Just hurts. It's terrible. Last but not least, uh, Jerry Judy's return for the Broncos. He caught four balls uh, and only four were thrown his way. 39 yards. That's completely forgettable. I mean, the thing is, none of their receivers really did much. Exactly. I mean, Patrick was targeted three times. Sutton was targeted four times. Noah Font was targeted four times. There just wasn't really to go much to go around. And Judy did his part as well as anyone, but it wasn't like the blow-up game that we were kind of hoping it would be. I know. Yeah, didn't walk right back into that alpha role. We saw him leave when he had seven targets in the first half of his only game played. I don't know how much meat's going to be on this bone, though, with Teddy Bridgewater, 213 yards, 26 attempts, only 19 completions. It's just, as you said, nobody seeing more than four targets. Albert O even being involved. That really hurts Noah Fant uh, these last couple weeks. Fant had been seeing You liked Fant this week, didn't you? What's that? You liked Fant this week, right? No, this was my lower. Remember, I was lower. Oh, right, right, right. You were lower on Fant. Oh, we were higher on Gronk, which also did not Which did not work out. Yeah, he (laughs) did not. Yeah, we rather had Fant at that point. Uh, Brutal. Yeah, brutal. But Albert O definitely, anytime he's played it, he's into Noah Fant snaps, and those have been some of his worst games. Uh, So a bigger impact on Fant than you'd expect. And just, I, I mean, I imagine eventually we'll see Judy kind of trend towards the top and Sutton get back up to that alpha oh. role. But when it's Teddy Bridgewater sustaining you, I just don't think there's going to be enough for these guys to routinely be reliable. I mean, this was as good of a matchup as you could ask for. Washington was giving out the most points to wide receivers. And this is what happened. You got to be a little bit concerned moving forward for sure. I'm definitely with, concerned. With this, this workload <laughs> distribution. Uh, we talked about Gronk, that piece of dirt. Uh, zero points. Ruined a lot of my fantasy lineups and DFS. I was kind of going, even when the, like the limited snap counts came out, I was like, well, everyone's going to get off of him so I can be different and play Gronk and he'll catch two touchdowns and nobody else will have him. And that worked out well. Goose egg. Back spasms. The worst. The worst is like, you know, just don't play. The worst is you come in, plays a few snaps, and you're like, nah, I'm done. That's I'm done for the day. Yeah, back spasms. And it's just, is he breaking down at this point? Like, you know, one injury is leading to another are they just going to start resting the guy to they get to the playoffs? They do have the bye this next week, so we'll see. But definitely discouraging to see uh, that performance for sure. Kyle Pitts, who we touched on a little bit already. I mean, the positives, 31 times Matt Ryan dropped back to pass. 30 times uh, he ran a route. Okay, so, I mean, he's a, he's a wide receiver. That's what we knew. Uh, but he only had two catches for 13 yards. And also uh, he also had at least one really key drop. He looked really bad. 
Yeah, he did. And what was even more concerning, he even noted it after the game. I saw more people over the top of me on Sunday. It, it increased defensive attention. He becomes the de facto number one, which is a positive from a volume perspective. You think but when it commands that much attention and now the defense is focused on taking him out instead of Ridley, well, they took him out. And yes, the, the you know Panthers were equipped to do that. They put Gilmore on him for a lot of the game. And I don't think everything is going to go that way. But this was just very discouraging to see two back-to-back banger weeks and then this type of crap. Pat Fryermuth, though, you know me. You yeah, love, I this, love guy. this guy. Newburyport legend. Teach with his parents. Great stuff. Hauled in a beautiful one-handed, like tipped it in the air and caught awesome. it. It was just a, one of the best catch, touchdown catches you'll see this year. He's now ran a route on 69% of Big Ben's dropbacks this week. It's only been about 58% route, uh, routes run these last two weeks, but even on just a, a minimal share like that, he's almost at 20% target share right now. Uh, good in the red zone, as we just saw. He had 44 yards and a score this last week. At tight end, I mean, this is a guy that can definitely be on your streaming radar moving forward. Hey, uh, speaking of great catches, do you see that catch T. Higgins made? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. That guy's a beast. <laughs> Last but not least, Dan, yeah, I, I like him moving forward. Dan Arnold caught eight out of 10 targets for 68 yards in the Jaguars week eight loss to the Seahawks. Well, I mean, we talked about the receiving core. I mean, I guess somebody's got to catch something in theory. Uh, he led the Jags in yards and receptions. Yeah, seeing about eight targets a game, nearly five catches a game. PPR leagues, there's that's, that's some value to that. Uh, both of these guys, Dan Arnold and Jamal Agnew, out-targeting LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones, which – Raise your hand if you saw that happening this year. Holy shit. Craziness. But that's just what's happening under Urban Myers. Absolutely. Thanks so so much for joining. Hopefully we'll see you at more broadcasts in the future. Really appreciate you guys being here. And that goes out to anybody that's caught this and you're still with us. That like does help, as does subs, as we try to get to 2K over the next month. Uh, would be mean the world if you guys haven't already, if you'd like to do that. So thanks again so much for being here, guys. You can find all this content at RoadStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. I'm the wolf. I'm the truth. A world full of fancy sheep, guys. Be the wolf. Later. Later. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd. And take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. At least we stole the show. We stole the show. We stole the show. Straight ahead. Devlin. Second down. Third down. Touchdown. Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.